facing for the first time in 39 years. The Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Hello and welcome to the Brady Bros Boston Sports Podcast, where we cover everything in the Boston sports world. My name is James Brady, and alongside me is my brother Nicholas. Say hello. Hello, everybody. Today is Friday, February 8th, and today is episode 17. Can't believe we've actually made it this far, and uh, and James just screwed up the intro, so we're we're still amateurs. Yeah, basically. just to clarify, we're recording this on Friday just because I had something going on yesterday. There's just no new change. Uh, having two weeks in a row of, of recording on the wrong day, it, it just so happened that I've had things going on. So that's just to clarify off the bat. But if we want to get into the 2018 World Series champion, Boston Red Sox. We can't say it for much longer. The uh, the 2019 season is quickly approaching with less than 50 days to go until uh, some regular season baseball. And like I know I was just saying this, but I'm I'm just excited for the baseball season, you know? I was listening to another podcast today, and they were saying, like, basically, after the Super Bowl, it's baseball season. Like, spring training's right around the corner. We're less than 50 days away from the actual 2019 season starting up. And uh, I'm just excited for baseball this season, especially, I mean, we got a very similar-looking Red Sox team, and looking at what they did last year and what they have the potential to do this year, very, very exciting stuff going on. Yeah, and I mean... We're kind of we're basically at the last week of like this news drought where all we've had to go on is trade rumors and you know minor things and people resigning because the first the first workouts are next Wednesday the thirteenth and so we'll finally get some actual we'll see how people are we'll you know get some actual news coming out of the MLB and um it's just it's it's gonna pick up here really quick I mean they work out for a couple weeks and then uh. The Red Sox actually start their their preseason, funny funnily enough, against the uh, the Northeastern Huskies, uh, which is a college team. But then, um, you know, right into a spring training game with the Yankees, Twins, Pirates, and a month of, from there on out. Yeah, and a lot of good just baseball action. I mean, teams that we don't even see that often, like you said, the Pirates, uh, the Nationals. So, I mean, obviously, won't be these massive matchups because. Spring training means next to nothing uh, other than just getting players ready for the regular season and uh, just kind of warming up, getting back in the swing of playing baseball. But, I mean, they have, what, they they start on the 22nd and they have a game every single day, at least for the next week as far as I've looked. Yeah, that's I mean, the only day they, they have, have games the almost every March. single day, which is very, very exciting um, for just, like I said, for baseball to be back with this Especially we're going to have a little bit of a drought here with the just the NFL being out, uh, baseball still being out of season. We'll basically only be talking about the Celtics and Bruins being the two active sports teams right now. Right now. But like you said, all of that is just around the corner. By next week, we'll uh, have reports on pitchers and catchers and everything because they have workouts. So it'll be exciting. Yeah, and I know... Um... I know we mentioned uh, last week and maybe even the week before, I forget the timing, but you know, we, we're looking at the schedule now, and I don't think we need to go into full breakdown mode yet. I think we can do that uh, you know, sometime in March as we get close to the season, but maybe right now we should talk about uh, the 11-game road trip that they start on with uh, games against Seattle, the Athletics, and the Diamondbacks. And obviously, we can't really like predict how these games are going to go. Um, as like rosters haven't really even been finalized for most teams, you know that's what spring training is about. But maybe just um, hypothetically here, how how does this affect the the beginning to the Red Sox season? Like, uh, what what's the mindset going to be here? Like, and um, I know we talked about this too, but that 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 home opener on the 9th of April uh, at Fenway is gonna is gonna be a special one. Yeah, and the way I view it, I I think of like the 11 game road trip is okay. We got 11 games to play before we get to, you know, have the big celebration at home for what we did last year, 
going to the World Series, winning the World Series, and every day, you know, you finish one game, all right, we're 10 games away from making it home. And just kind of looking at, not just counting down, which I guess is what I just said, but getting, you know, playing each game with the goal of getting home in mind. And, you know, as they play through Seattle, play through Oakland, play through Arizona, I mean, it's going to be tough being away from Fenway for that long and such an iconic and you always hear about how Boston, a lot of the places, some of the hardest places to play in a lot of leagues. And I think Fenway, it's the same exact deal, very hostile environment uh, for the opposing teams and a great place to be for the Red Sox, but they're going to have to tough it out for 11 in game, 11 games, and then really hit their stride when they come home, hopefully. Yeah. And my thoughts on this is I really wouldn't be surprised to see kind of, uh, you know, a not so great, uh, at least a record record wise start to the season. You know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we came out of the road trip looking something like uh, five and six, six and five, sitting right around 500 kind of, because I do think it is going to take a toll, you know, uh, being kind of so far away from home, really across the country, essentially for uh, you know, twelve straight days or whatever it is, it's it is going to be uh, a little a little tough to start the season that way. And I think, unfortunately for us, it's going to turn into the whole sky is falling deal that we've seen with the Patriots. We saw with the Red Sox last year when they they blew a lead in their first game and lost and. You see all these tweets like, we're going 0-162 this year. Fire Alex Cora. He's an awful manager if he can't even manage the first game of the season. And I think we're going to get an element of that if they don't do amazingly on this road trip. No one's going to be thinking, oh, they're on the road. They're away from home for a while. Everyone wants to see this team go 162-0 this year just because they think, you know, that that's Boston sports for you. But I think if you look at it in reality... I'm I'm right with you. I think we'll be sitting right around 500 and we'll be lucky to get, you know, a couple games ahead of that coming back to Fenway, but I feel like we will encounter a little bit of that whole panic mode if we lose a couple of games, if we drop, you know, 3 out of 4 games in a series, everyone's going to be freaking out. But like I said, look for this team to hit their stride when they get home and then pick up where they left off playing baseball at the, you know, at the end of last season. See, I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you there because I think because of last season, no one is going to be in the, the the sky is falling type mindset there. Uh I, they proved what they did could do last year obviously being the best team in baseball. And like we've mentioned before, you know, very uh pretty much the exact same team almost here. So I don't think we're going to get any of uh you know that uh sliding off the cliff or whatever speculation. Uh that being said, I think that pretty much does it for uh, the Red Sox for this week, at least. Uh, like we said, we're getting very close, and you know, next week we'll have some some spring training to report on. Let's get into our next segment uh, today in sports history, as it has been called, and uh, a, an interesting one here, and kind of a kind of a funny one in my eyes. Uh, on this date, Friday, no, well, not a, might not have been a Friday. Sorry, February eighth, nineteen forty five. Paul Brown actually agreed to become the coach of the new American football expansion team in none other than Cleveland, Ohio. And he must have been really good at his job because they actually named the team the Cleveland Browns after their coach. So, you know, that's where it all started. And we can, uh, we can thank Mr. Brown for, you know, bringing us the memes we see today about the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> that does it for today in sports history. Uh, we're going to segue right into the Celtics here, kind of uh, coming off a, a, a tough loss last night, but we don't we won't get there quite yet. Let's uh, take a look at the past week. James, if you kind of want to take us through uh, what went down this past week in Celtics basketball. So Sunday the 3rd, a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, a pretty hot team this year. Uh, Celtics, though, getting the W, 134-129, to Kyrie Irving. Dropping a hot 30 points, 11 assists, having a great game uh, against a very tough Oklahoma City team. Uh, Tuesday the 5th, playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, not as big a margin on a win as I would have liked to see, 103-96. to uh, Tatum showing up this game, 25.7 rebounds. Uh, both Kyrie and Morris were out for this game, so probably contributing to a little bit of that uh, 
lack of a margin, uh, the lack of the point margin uh, in this win. And also, Baines is out past the All-Star break due to bruises on his foot. So yeah. we will not be seeing him for a little bit longer just due to injury. He's had a he's had a tough season so far between his hand yeah, and his foot. Hand, and now he's out for a couple of weeks, but hopefully we can look for uh, you know him and everyone else to uh, get healthy over you know the coming All Star break, which is uh, kicks off at, what this week, next week, something like that. Yeah, kicks off on uh, the week. Their week off starts next Thursday, actually. Uh, that being said, uh, Kyrie and Morris, like uh, like you just mentioned, out, but just minor stuff. They were both back in for yesterday's game. Uh, that was Thursday versus the L.A. Lakers. So, you know, uh, big primetime matchup, of course, because, you know, LeBron is in town and naturally ticket prices skyrocketed because LeBron apparently controls the NBA ticket economy. Uh, and watching this game, I was reminded of just how much I, I hate playing against LeBron. You know, the whole every foul uh, on him is, you know, complete garbage. Where was the foul every time he takes a shot? I'm going to try to keep the rant short because, um, you know, it was, it was a tough last-second loss there on the buzzer veto by, by Rondo, of course. You know, no one else. And actually, if if you didn't see I don't know how, you know, you wouldn't have seen this, but um, – Someone went up for last second shot. You know, you know, Kyrie had driven Kyrie had driven down the floor, uh, put in the go ahead bucket, and the Lakers were coming back with you know under twenty seconds to go. Someone put up a shot, and Horford just had a phenomenal block. Or Tice was it? I forget. Someone had a phenomenal block on the shot, and the rebound came down, and three different Celtics bobbled the ball, which allowed it to land uh, you know right in Rondo's hands, and he put it up with. Uh, two one and a half seconds on the clock, and you know he, he made the bucket like a. He, he's a good player. He's gonna he's gonna make a shot. You know, if it's given to him like that. But this kind of, in my eyes, shouldn't have been that close a game. Uh, it was a very poor performance, uh, shooting wise from Kyrie. He just you know shooting six for twenty one over the game. Luckily, he um, he did have uh, ten free throws actually, which. You know, allowed him to get up to 24 points. And we did see him, you know, start to come alive in the fourth quarter, uh, hitting some, you know, some big shots like he does, making some great plays. All around, though, the, you know, the scoring was very evened uh, out around the Celtics. You know, like I said, Kyrie 24, Tatum had 22, Tice actually with 20, Rozier with 19, and Brown with 18. So uh, a lot of Celtics contributing in this in this tough loss. Yeah, and like I mentioned, we didn't record yesterday night because I was busy. But uh, the little bit of the game I did get to kind of follow just due to the NBA app, it was just before the end of the second quarter, and the Celtics were up by like 15. And in a matter of maybe like a minute and a half, the Lakers had pretty much erased that deficit to, to maybe five points. I think they I think they went into half on something like a 12 to 2 run or they they went on a big run toward half to you know like you said erase that deficit. Yeah, and then I I once again kind of followed at the very end of the game and sure enough get the alert that Rondo had hit a buzzer beater which I figured would just be a layup knowing Rondo. Uh he actually did hit a jump shot, so I'll give I'll give credit where credit is due. And also a fun fact about Rondo and last second shots, he was actually 0 for 11 on his last shot. Uh, either when trailing in fourth quarter overtime or some sort of uh, like deficit scenario where he's taking a last second shot that decides the game. Uh, he was previously 0 and 11 on those. So kind of, I guess, facing his demons against his former team. Uh, so like I said, I'll give credit where credit is due, but just a tough loss against a Lakers team where for a good portion of the game, it looked like the Celtics should have won. Yeah, and you know, speaking of giving credit where credit is due, you know, props to the Lakers for hanging in there because there were a couple of times that, you know, the Celtics got on a run or two here. And like you, the example before halftime with them having the 15-point lead or whatever, uh, you know, the Lakers battled back. They made it a close game. And even, I think there was 40 seconds left and the Celtics were up by six points. And, you know, the Lakers were able to erase that deficit. You know, LeBron saved the ball, kept it in bounds, allowed someone to make a three. Uh, you know, the Celtics drive down, missed their shot. They came back, hit another three, and boom, you're looking at a tie game with, you know, 30 seconds left. So 
you know, props to them for keeping it close. But, uh, you know, definitely one of those games where the Celtics have to, you know, close that out or just rebound the ball, really. It's just it, – it was unfortunate. I don't think, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where if anything can go wrong, it will type of situation. That being said, uh, I believe we see the Lakers again at some point, probably in L.A. if I had to guess. Uh, maybe I'll just double check here, double check that. If James, you want to take us through uh, kind of some of the trade deadline stuff that went down, because there were a couple, a couple bigger names uh, that did move around a little bit this week. Yeah, so a lot of them actually having to do with other competitors for us in the East. Um, one of the bigger. N- I shouldn't say bigger names, but bigger stories that came out is Tobias Harris going to Philadelphia, maybe him kind of filling in a last missing piece for Philadelphia as they move forward. Uh, Philadelphia actually traded Markel Fultz, so he's out of Philly. Not that he had really played at all, and he's going through a lot of things, so uh, best of luck to him in his new home, which I, I forget where that is right now. Uh, Mark Gasol going to the Raptors, filling out that that big spot. For the Raptors, who I believe got rid of Valanchunas uh, in some sort of deal, bringing in Gasol. And also Harrison Barnes, and this became a big deal for a lot of players, was traded mid-game I don't think he was. I don't think he was traded mid-game. I saw, I probably saw the same thing you did. And, you know, there was kind of an outcry from, well, Le- LeBron being the biggest name. But I was, I was talking to someone about this, I forget. I believe he was notified before the game that he was traded and they gave him the choice to play or not. So, you know, obviously I guess, I guess we don't know for sure, but I did hear like news that he did know about the trade. All right. Well then that one's covered shrouded in mystery forever, I guess. But you know, that is a common theme of, you know, kind of teams not showing the the respect, the loyalty, uh, you know that is uh, kind of a kind of a big deal, and we'll just have to see going forward. Like I said, a lot of action coming out of the East uh, for trade deadlines. Nothing actually happening with the Lakers. Everyone was expecting a Lakers trade, uh, especially the Pelicans. That kind of fell through, and the Pelicans backed off uh, of a deal with the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, so the only move coming for the Celtics being uh, getting rid of Jabari Bird. He's in the midst of a whole bunch of criminal stuff. So. Uh, unloading him to the Hawks, basically just flip a roster spot. So we'll see uh, what what happens with that. I'm not really sure the Celtics are looking to make any big moves, and if they if they would have, it would have been before the trade deadline, obviously. So not a lot yeah, of action. Some minor stuff. There is there is a rumor that uh, the the Celtics could sign Ennis Cantor as he's been waived by the Knicks, but you know he is also going through some stuff with the oh God, with his going- home. Some ho- his home country of Turkey, I believe, uh, some some very serious allegations against him there. Now I don't want to speculate, so we won't even get into that. But I did hear rumor that he could, uh, you know, sign with Boston. Uh, the Lakers actually did make a minor trade. I'm just looking at the transaction list here now that uh, ESPN has, and th- they acquired Reggie Bullock from Detroit for a, for a guard whose name I cannot pronounce for the life of me. Oh yeah, and, no and a future second round pick. So, but not the not the Anthony Davis trade. You know, I kind of joked about maybe we'll see him in 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 Boston uh, on LA in a couple of weeks. But the the Pelicans deciding to ride it out, and in my opinion, they they had a chance to take a take a really good deal from the Lakers, and they didn't. So it just you know begs the question: Where are they looking to? You know, who are they looking to do business with, I guess, in this regard? Yeah, and as we kind of close out all of the uh, transactions, trades, all that stuff, I want to say shout out to the Dallas Mavericks, who I think played this deadline very, very well, acquiring big names uh, like Porzingis. I know they just got Zach Randolph in a deal that uh, we talked about with Harrison Barnes being traded away. So... Basically, the Dallas Mavericks being like the only team that really capitalized this trade deadline, it seems like. And then I know we have a whole spell of people who are going to be free agents at the end of the year. And there's a lot of big names this summer to look forward to. But in terms of the trade deadline midseason, uh, the team that really stood out to me was the Dallas Mavericks making a lot of moves. Yeah, I would agree with you there. You know, Dallas Mavericks definitely being the forefront of the, I guess, if you if you could crown a winner of the trade deadline type of thing. But 
you know, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers getting getting Tobias Harris, that's a big move, especially against, uh, you know, one of our biggest rivals. Um, and that shows me that they're very serious about uh, a deep postseason run this year. And so we'll just have to uh, kind of see how that works out, you know, with them acquiring Jimmy Butler early in the year. Uh, it really looks like the, the 76ers are making, you know, making this year their year to make a huge push. Yeah, definitely, definitely scary looking at a lot of the teams. I mean, you know, the Raptors picking up Gasol was a very talented player. So very tough competition in, in an Eastern division that everyone's at the beginning of the year. This is the Celtic, like Celtics Warriors, no question about it. I mean, it, it dices things up a little bit and, you know, really gives some good competition uh, ahead of us and around us in these standings uh, and really going to make the Celtics work for anything that they get going into the playoffs, I think. Yeah, that pretty much, uh, that's a pretty good recap, I think, of the trade deadline. Maybe now we can uh, talk about, you know, the all-star teams and, you know, they had that, that draft thing going on and I didn't really watch the draft. I just, you know, saw the list of who's on what teams, but uh, maybe we can just just go down here now. We got uh, Team LeBron on one side of the court with uh, the starters being Obviously, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden uh, against Team Giannis, with the starters being, obviously, Giannis, uh, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, Paul George, and Kemba Walker. So Kemba getting the start on his home court in the All-Star game, uh, that's going to be very special. Um, the reserves for Team LeBron, we have Anthony Davis. A little, little bit of collusion going on there, maybe. Who knows? Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons, LaMarcus Aldridge, Carl Anthony Towns, Bradley Beal, and Dwayne Wade. And the reserves for Team Giannis being Chris Middleton, Nikola Jokic, Russell Westbrook, Blake Griffin, D'Angelo Russell, Nikolai Vukovic, Kyle Lowry, Dirk Nowitzki. And I, bur- I butchered Vucevic's name. I apologize. All right. And I'm going to really quickly say I don't really get why they threw in the whole Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki thing. Like, I get that they're putting those guys in the All-Star game, you know, kind of as like a last hurrah because everyone knows Dwayne Wade's retiring. A lot of people speculating that Dirk is going to be done after this year. And it's cool to see them play, but I think it's really unfair to other players who might have, like, deserved that spot. We see all these people talking about All-Star snubs and people who should have made it that didn't. And then Dirk and Dwayne Wade just walk right into the All-Star game like it's nothing. Both, Despite both probably not having the best years of their career. Uh, and so kind of just getting a guaranteed in because they're older. Do you have I any mean, Do you have any like distinct opinion on that? I know I definitely took a hard stance there, but... Yeah, actually, I'm kind of the opposite. I, I think it's a sign, like... I, we, you know, just talk about loyalty with the whole Harrison Barnes speculation... I think this is kind of, you know, the league giving back to, uh, you know, very big stars who probably brought a lot of fans and a lot of uh, exposure to this league. So it's just, in my eyes, like giving back to them and appreciating them for this, uh, you know, their careers in the NBA. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, you know, something similar going forward each year where they pulled two or three guys that, um, you know, have really been special players in the league. Yeah, and I guess in reality, like the All Star Game, really isn't as like a serious matter for anyone. It's just kind of oh, one of those Lord, ones no. where they go out and just play for fun. Um, so, so really, it doesn't amount to anything, which which is fine. But I, I don't know. It just it seems like a guaranteed in, and like you said, now we're going to see that probably every single year, taking up spots of people who may or may not have prove themselves more in terms of their stat lines and their performances through the the season oh I, I don't think this these these two have anything to do with stat lines like i said it's just the the league giving back to two uh two very big names uh that being said i don't really want to mention it but i feel like we have to with the whole lebron picking people that are all up on contracts at the end of this year minus i think james harden or Kawhi. one of them is still locked in at this year I forget which one. I think it's Harden. Uh, Harden, maybe? Okay. And then, you know, picking Anthony Davis in the reserves kind of thing, uh, where was that whole speculation that LeBron uh, and him had – well, there wasn't speculation. LeBron and him had dinner after 
you know, they played each other and it comes out a couple days later that Anthony Davis wants a trade. So I, I've literally been, you know, watching sports on, on the television all week. And, you know, all this is all you hear about is like kind of this collusion within uh, the league and like what LeBron is doing. And, you know, is you know, there was talk of a super team in LA, you know, within the last couple of years. And is, is that what he's kind of trying to do here, I guess? And personally, I just try to like zone it all out. Like, I'm just going to let them play. And like, this is their, this is, you know, this is their week, basically the all-star week, you know, they get to, uh, you know, just go out and have fun. But I don't, I don't like all this speculation about, uh, you know, LeBron trying to essentially draft people to more than just the all-star game type of thing. Yeah, it it is a little annoying seeing the whole like everything is tampering where there obviously are things that are a little bit strange, like, you know, going out to dinner, being overly friendly to people who uh, turn around and say, oh, I want to go somewhere else and just so happen to be in talks with the one team, uh, you know, that LeBron is on that whole deal. But like, I'm with you on this one. I just kind of try to move past it and not not get too hung up on the whole, you know, tampering, collusion, blah, 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 blah. Uh, And Anthony Davis did come out and basically say that, yeah, I'm going to play every single game that I can for the rest of the season for the Pelicans, which I really like the move there. Uh, And I'm going to reference this probably a lot throughout uh, everything. It's just Jimmy Butler is the one guy that comes to mind where he requested trade and just didn't do anything for his team in Minnesota and and basically looked like he was trying to get traded as hard as he could. He was cheering for the other teams when they're doing well against his team. Uh, and, and just a lot of stuff that I didn't like, you know, the, the class of the moves he was making. And, and it really excited me to just see that Anthony Davis isn't going to sit out the rest of the season uh, and basically force them to trade him. So I like the move there uh, from Anthony Davis. Just he'll play out the season. And then once the off season comes, obviously the trade talks going to come back into play. Uh, and, and be a big deal. I hate to rain on your parade, James, but the, the trade talk you're going to have to put up with for the next four months, even before the offseason. Uh, that being said, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you again kind of here. Man. Just, you know, it's it's the streak this episode, I guess. You're just not saying some smart stuff, apparently. Well, that's um, <laughs> in your opinion. Um. Uh, that being said, sometimes it is, it is the team's decision to sit these players, you know, because – you're, you're talking about Anthony Davis here, one of the most dominant guys in the league. And if they decide to sit him, that's to make sure they don't hurt his trade stock. What if he goes and, you know, blows out his knee? You know, it's always uh, questionable when a big man like that has a serious injury if he can continue at all, no matter the age or the um, level of play, really. Yeah, so but that's just to get a draft pick, too. Like, if they if they sit him and they tank, that's that's just... It's a thing that teams do, and I hate that they do it. There's no yeah. in- for some leagues. There's no incentive to win, and if they really bench him, no, you're absolutely for right draft there. stock and, we, and we draft stock. I understand, but tanking no, not for draft, just for, me. for trade for trade stock, like his or trade not, value. Not, not that's what I meant. Trade stock, not draft stock. I don't know. Why I said that. Well, they're trying to get Zion. Apparently, it's looking that uh, way. Well, we that's we that's we kind of talked about that with Zion and the whole tanking thing. We don't need to get back into that now or you know ever if I have anything to say about it. But that is some very um, some very jumbled thoughts about uh, the the past week for the Celtics and you know uh, the league in general. Really, uh, we'll quickly go through the week ahead so we can uh, get into the Bruins here. Uh, so Saturday, this is uh, tomorrow as rec- we're recording it. Probably today as you're listening. Uh, as we'll try to get it up uh, the very next day. We have a game versus the LA Clippers. Tuesday, they go down to Philadelphia, play the 76ers, so that'll be a great game to watch. And then uh, a back-to-back next week, Wednesday, at home versus the Detroit Pistons. Uh, That is all the Celtics news. James, any closing thoughts? We kind of were all over the place there. No, I mean, I feel like we went very in-depth about a whole number of things, so I feel pretty content. But we can transition over to the other half of the TD Garden with the, obviously, Boston Bruins. And we'll go through a quick recap of their last week. So Sunday, the third at the Washington Capitals with a 1-0 win. Uh, Tuesday, the fifth versus the New York Islanders, a 3-1 win by the Bruins. And once again, another Boston championship team being the good luck charm here. 
The Patriots were there before the game. Edelman spiked the puck at center ice. Uh, Patrice Bergeron's 1,000th game, and he also scored two goals in that game. So absolutely incredible performance uh, and an incredible achievement by Patrice Bergeron there with his 1,000th game uh, played in the NHL. And then, of course, on Wednesday, the 6th, a loss at the Rangers, 4-3 in a shootout. Uh, Bruins held a lead a lot through that game and then kind of blew it in the third period and lost in shootouts. Yeah, I remember getting the notifications. They were up 3-1. to one. I was feeling pretty confident. And then, uh, you know, to see them go to the shootout and lose uh, kind of sucks with the Rangers being being one of the weaker teams in the league this year. But we're going we're gonna to kind of back up there and we're going to talk about, um, you know, Patrice Bergeron and just the exceptional, more than exceptional, the great career he has had. And, you know, when it came out that it was a thousandth game, I know we had to, you know, do something on here to, you know, talk about. It, and I figured we could go through, look at his career stats and everything. And in doing so, I, I didn't really realize this. I probably knew in the back of my mind, but he has played all of his games with the Boston Bruins. So he has been a Bruin, um, you know, for the 15 years that he's been in the league here. Now he's up to 1,000 games. We're talking 308 goals, 473 assists. Uh, for a total of 781 points and a plus-minus of 162. So um, just a a phenomenal player, and it's great to see him. You know, it's always heartwarming, no matter whether it's Boston or really any other city or state or, you know, sports fan base where a player, uh, you know, sticks with someone through through their entire career, sticks with the same team. And, you know, it really shows, uh, I think, the loyalty of the player and also what the the organization means to them in that sense. Yeah, and, and other people that come to mind for that, you think of like Kobe, uh Dirk Nowitzki, it's been like what, twenty one years with the same team. Absolutely incredible to see, like you said, the the dedication and commitment to a city and a team that some of these players have. Uh and an absolutely incredible player to have in Boston for one thousand games. Uh and just the talent that he brings to the team. And also so special to, to have a, a great game netting two goals uh, in your 1,000th game. It's really you know something to remember. Yeah, and I mean, uh, he, he scored the game. That has to be just super special. And I remember seeing seeing a highlight of, you know, I think Marshawn assisted the goal. I don't know if that's true. I forget who assisted. But immediately after the goal, you know, you see Marshawn not immediately, you know, going for the hug like they usually do. He skates over. He grabs the puck. Uh, and so you really like to see that stuff. And then probably the most heartwarming uh, story of the night was the very end of the game. And the game ended, you know, uh, it was a close one. So they were 2-1 to one going into the third period. And the Islanders had actually pulled their goalie. And, you know, there was a turnover in, in, the, in the Bruins zone. And they got out on kind of the fast break going the other way. And I believe it was, it was Pasternak who was, you know, laying ahead of him. He has the empty. And he kind of looks back over his shoulder, just stopped the puck in the ice and allowed Bergeron to, to put that second goal in. So just a really cool and, uh, like I said, a heartwarming moment there. Uh, for those of you who didn't see, I would, I would highly recommend going back and watching. And maybe just quickly now some more career stats. Um, his highest scoring year came in, uh, what is it here? It was actually his second year in the league back in 2005-2006 season. He scored 31 goals. Um, His highest assists in a year came back in 2011. Oh, no, pardon me, 2006-2007. So just his third year in the league with 48. And that was actually, or 2005-2006 was actually the year he scored the most points at 73. So like you said, just just great to see a guy like this finish will not finish um you know have such a great career here in boston yeah and i mean starting with the team when he was 18 years old absolutely insane uh to you know see see what he's done and see him progress as a player uh through the years and like you said a very special special night and and kind of letting him score those two goals or letting him score one of those two goals uh against the islanders and just really, really creating a special night, like I said before. Yeah, and now let's kind of, kind of take a step back and look at more Bruins news in general. There was an article Nesson that I, I found funny because, 
you know, with, with the Patriots winning the Super Bowl, spoiler alert, that's what we're going to talk about next. Um, Fox Sports actually released a graphic uh, that night of Boston, you know, in, in the Sitco sign in the Prudential. And it has all the teams in the, in the buildings there. And it just says City of Champions. And lo and behold, the Bruins aren't shown in the graphic, which, you know, are we forgetting about, you know, guys like Bobby Orr, you know, hoisting the Stanley Cup in 1970 or when Char brought the cup back to Boston in 2011? I think the Bruins definitely, uh, you know, deserve to be shown there. And, you know, sh- you know, shame on Fox Sports there for not including uh, this, you know, such an old and rich team in that graphic. I mean, it's sad to say that this is probably the, the most minor mistake uh, Fox ha- or a news <laughs> network has made with their graphics all season. We talked about uh, the whole Andrew Luck situation. There there have been a lot worse things happen, but especially, like you said, a team with such a rich history um, in such iconic moments and a team that was, you know, winning when a lot of these other teams weren't. And there was a stretch there where obviously, you know, Bruins were a very good team where Celtics were kind of in between the whole like Bill Russell era and the Larry Bird era. Obviously, the Patriots were nowhere near the team that they are today. The Red Sox were still in a uh, World Series drought and just a great, you know, a great set of teams that is really unfortunate that they're left out of a graphic like that. And it just, I know that we don't talk about the Bruins the most on this podcast and everything, but it's sad to see them left out of something, you know, as major as that. Uh, in the whole city of champions, Boston um, graphic that was made there. Really just yeah. disappointing to see them kind of push to the wayside, it seems like. That being said, maybe they will give a reason this year for everyone to remember them, hopefully, uh, as we quickly approaching the end of the regular season. Uh, is is a mere two months away until we're looking at some playoff hockey. The last regular season game for the Bruins is actually on April 6th which is, you know, just a couple days before the the Red Sox will hoist the banner at Fenway and, you know, do their home opener. So we got two more months of regular season hockey. We're past the All-Star break now. And uh, before we get into the week ahead, we can do kind of like our weekly, you know, uh, standings breakdown. And the Bruins briefly were in, I I believe, fourth place after uh, beating the Islanders. We're tied for third, I forget. But right now they're currently sitting at fifth place uh, tied with the Capitals with, you know, Tampa Bay, Toronto, the Islanders and Montreal sitting above them by by just a few points. You know, Tampa Bay out there, uh, you know, quite a lead there. But uh, the three other teams ahead of them, just two or three points. So, you know, not some big, not a big margin there per usual. So as we move forward here, it's really I think we're looking at kind of like a really down to the wire seeding for uh, the NHL, which, you know, has got me really excited personally, because I do think the Bruins have what it, what it takes to, you know, have a great showing in the playoffs this year. Yeah. And I, I know we'll quickly cover it uh, in the West Calgary in first Winnipeg, second San Jose uh, tied for a second, I guess with 71 points uh, as well. Uh, Nashville and fourth and Vegas and fifth, but it's the same story in the West. It, I mean, it's close. And in a couple of games, I know we say it almost every week, in a couple of games, everything can change. And like you said, it's going to lead for some really, really exciting hockey coming down the stretch where every game matters and every game you know, has a possibility of having really big playoff implications in where a team ends up in its seating. Hey, as long as we say it every week, will happen and we will be right uh that being said the the week ahead for the bruins we got uh, a game saturday like i said either tomorrow or today if you're uh depending on when you're listening and you know we're recording uh versus the la kings they have the the afternoon game actually because the celtics play that night um and then back to back for the for the bruins this weekend sunday they have a game versus the colorado avalanche and then tuesday a game versus the chicago Blackhawks. So a nice little uh, three-game homestand here. I believe it's just the three games, and then they go on the road from there. Uh, that pretty much wraps up the Bruins, and now we can we can get into the th- the thick of things here. You've heard about it all week. 
probably a lot, probably more than you have than you've wanted to. But we're recording late, and we normally record late in the week, so this happens. But we're going to talk about it: the Super Bowl. And James, I know this is your thing, so go crazy, my friend. Oh man, I mean, this is it. All led up to this. We talked about it last week. How at the end of the day. The Patriots made it this far. They had, they had one more game to go. And I know that you wrote in all caps here, we are the greatest dynasty to ever play sports. But like, if this doesn't cement the Patriots as the greatest sports dynasty of all time, I don't know what else will. And second of all, this is my own opinion. If you said the Super Bowl was boring, you can shut up. You have no right to say that. Uh, and I don't care what you have to say pretty much at all. I will be very blatant about it. Patriots winning 13-3 over the LA Rams that looked like they don't know what a Super Bowl is. Like, this might have been preseason to them for next year, for all we know, because they just didn't show up, and the Patriots were all over them. And I I know it's saying all over them in a a 10-point victory, right? That's the largest margin of victory in any Patriots Super Bowl. 10 it points. Is. I, I remember seeing that stuff. The, the Patriots really like to in, down the wire. In recent years, that's also like the closest game, including their Super Bowl losses, including last year, including the two against the Giants. I know if you go back in history, they got blown out by a couple of teams. I think like the Bears and a 30-point loss or something. But in the I, last I, 20 years, I, this is the largest margin of points there's been in the Super Bowl for the Patriots, and it's only 10 points. And this was I've I've said it for years. I want to see a Patriots Super Bowl where they just comfortably win, and I think this is the closest it's ever going to get because we had the three point lead for most of the game, and pretty much the second they put that touchdown on the board, I said this game's over. They've won the Super Bowl. Let's go. Yeah, and I mean especially tacking on that you know that extra three points, and then you know the Rams did have the ball late, but then. They missed the field goal, so you know you know exactly. The, the game is over from there. There just wasn't enough time on the clock. Yeah, and when when Tony Romo said Legatron is coming out of the field, I knew the Patriots had won the Super Bowl. There's no way Greg was going to hit that kick. Yeah, Tony Romo, uh, his prediction skills seem to have escaped him for this game, unfortunately, much to the dismay of me and, you know, uh, probably 100 million other people watching the game. Um, but, you know, you know, looking back to what you just said, and, you know, the Rams not showing up. I think – I don't think you're giving the Patriots enough credit there. What what a defensive game by the Patriots. I guess let, let's talk the defense first kind of since that's what uh, played dominance, I guess, in this game. But what, what a phenomenal defensive game for the Patriots. I mean, y- you talk about Bill Belichick being the greatest coach of all time, and, and, and this does it. No one could have crafted a, a better game plan, and I don't think – the Patriots' defense has played a better game in, in probably the last three years. I mean, yeah, you, you hear the phrase defense wins championships, and I know I said that last week saying that the Rams have an incredible defense, and obviously the Rams' defense still played well, holding a, a Patriots team that was averaging 30-plus points a game in the last couple weeks to th- just 13 in a game that they historically do very well in. But at the same time, I mean, this was a Patriots defense where all year we said this is the weakest link. The offense is as normal is pretty good, and the defense is going to have to show up, and they did. Holding one of the, I think it was like one of the top 10 offenses of all time, or maybe top 15, to three points. Of all time. I don't, I want people yeah, to. Yeah, that's of all time, not this season. Every every NFL team ever in the history of football. This is was statistically, mind you, you know, a, yeah, points top and yards 10, and all top that stuff. Offense of all time, and you know, it almost seems to me like with the postseason, especially the Patriots, essentially just saying whoever they played against, oh, we know what you do well, and we're we're just going to show you that we can do it better. I mean, you look back at the the Chargers, and um, you know, we talked about you know how Philip Rivers had had a great year, but but the Chargers had a really strong run game this year, from what I'm. Uh, familiar with with Melvin Gordon, you can correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, and we saw how well the Patriots ran the ball in that game. And then you, you go into Arrowhead, you know, the Chiefs having a phenomenal offense, and they just, you know, they got outgunned, kind of outbattled by the Patriots. And then with with the Super Bowl 
and the Rams having such great defense all year, the Patriots are like, what? Oh, you want defense now? Yeah, we can do that better than you too. So the Patriots just essentially just one-upping every team they came up against. And, you know, it, this, this Super Bowl didn't cause me a whole lot of, like, you know, heart anxiety where my heartbeat is up and everything. But I was still completely invested for, you know, the 60 minutes when the clock was running. And I knew at any point this this game could take a turn for the worse or for the better or whatever. Um, so I would agree with you. And, you know, if you're not a fan of the Patriots or Rams, I can see, you know, saying, oh, the Super Bowl sucked, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, if you are in one of these fan bases, this was this was a great game. It was close. It was exciting. I mean, for Rams fans, if they're actually out no, there. No, they don't, they don't exist. They don't exist. Okay. For Patriots fans, just, you know, we've – all been on the other side of you know the the heartbreak losses i mean last year with the super bowl and again i wouldn't say heartbreaking loss but you know this year against the the miami thing we've all been on the other side of that so we knew it was possible and uh just props to the patriots and especially their defense for for a phenomenal game and i don't know if you want to uh you know flip it and, and talk offense now or if you have more thoughts on the uh the defensive half of this game yeah, really quick, I wanted to highlight a couple things. Like you said, this game could have changed at any moment. And like, what was it? When Brandon Cooks was open in the end zone and Jason McCourty comes in at the last second and perfectly breaks up a pass, literally gets his arm right between Cooks's hands and basically just chops the ball out in the end zone. I mean, almost a guaranteed touchdown for any receiver in the league. Shut down just like that. Um, another thing I wanted to highlight was the three points scored by the Rams was actually tied for the least ever scored in a Super Bowl. And the last time that happened, if I'm if I looked at the stats right, was Super Bowl six back in nineteen seventy two when the Miami Dolphins put up only three points against the Cowboys. So, so what you're telling me this is this hasn't no happened. No one has officially laid an egg in the wall and scored zero points. Yeah, but we got darn close this year. I mean, <laughs> we got darn close. We were and, we were and one to speak Cody to, Parkey field goal away, zero points. And to to speak with to what you said, also like if you look at this Patriots team in the last, you know, their three postseason games, you saw a very different Patriots team in general every single week. They had a very tailored approach, offensively and defensively, to every single team that they played. And it, I think it's funny if you look at they had a bye week going in to the Chargers game. And, you know, pretty, pretty big win against the Chargers. And then they don't have a bye week going in against the Chiefs in a very close offensive game against the Chiefs. We ended up winning. And then you give Bill another week. You give him the extra week. And he tailors his defense perfectly to this Rams offense and holds him to three points. It's crazy to see you give that man an extra week to prepare in the world of difference it seems to make. Uh, but then we will transition it, like you said, because we could sit here. And we could talk for hours about this game. We'll be completely honest. We could talk for hours about this. Tom Brady honestly didn't have an amazing game, but the offense in total still had 416 yards of offense, which was really, really impressive against a a Rams defense that I, at least I personally believe in the last episode put on a very high pedestal. Uh. You know, Sony Sony Michelle being the real difference maker here, uh, looking looking just phenomenal in this game, putting up the only touchdown um, of the game. Uh, he ran for or 18 attempts for a total of 94 yards, and like I said, the only touchdown of the game. Uh, you know, Rex Burkhead had some great runs during the game, and uh, you know, one guy who I think I officially was back on the Gronkowski train after the the Chiefs win. I think I I kind of um, was bandwagoned there. Uh, Gronkowski, some big catches. Edelman, of course, some big catches. Um, you know, some of the other guys, Chris Hogan, pretty quiet. Philip Dorsett, I believe, had one pretty big catch, if I remember correctly. Um, but, you know, the offense the offense had to show, too. And like you said, you know, Tom Brady didn't have the greatest game. He didn't get to throw for a touchdown um, after his record-setting Super Bowl uh, last year. You know, not a phenomenal game, but... You know, he he made the big plays when it mattered, and of course, you knew he was going to. Yeah, and, and we talked about it. A tale as old as time. You just you don't bet against him, and if there's anyone you want out there, it's Tom Brady. 
Uh, and just so unfortunate that, you know, the interception on the first play, uh, you know, first throw of the game for him uh, on a drive that the Patriots were rolling on. That was their game plan was to get the ball and do what they had done, control the clock, get down the field, put points on the board. And it just so happened that, uh, you know, that that didn't happen in that first drive. And I think that really threw off the pace of the game. You could see for the Patriots only putting up three points in the first uh, the first half of the game. But going back to the run game, Sonny Michelle was a guy that I was, I was definitely difficult uh, against all year, saying that, you know, he's a rookie. I'm not sure he has his place in the backfield. But this game, they had a good stretch where they're using guys like James White and Rex Burkhead towards the middle of the game who weren't getting anywhere. And I was like, please use Sony Michelle. He's having a good game. And finally, we see Sony Michelle come back in. Uh, Sony Michelle coming back in, making the, the, you know, getting the big gains that he needs to. And what was it? The last Patriots, technically the last Patriots drive of the game where we're in our own, you know, 10 yard line. And he makes a 20-yard run, gets us completely out of a pinch. And extending drives, especially that last drive that put three more points on the board, basically put the game on ice. And uh, it's just amazing performance from him. Obviously, Edelman, like you said, another guy winning the MVP. And I know that it's not very popular of a uh, a wide receiver to win an MVP. The last person to do it was Santonio Holmes uh, with the Steelers. But, I mean... An impressive showing from a, an offense that was completely complemented by just the overall domination of the defense. What was it? The Rams punting on their first eight drives, if I'm correct in that, I believe. Yeah, it's six Tony, or eight Tony or circled like that. every single one on the screen. I don't remember. He just circled <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> in case you can't read the same word. He yes, to- Tony him. Romo circled it eight separate times in case you didn't pick up on it. Uh, going back, I wanted to I wanted to just say something about the interception because for me, not not right when he threw the interception, obviously it sucked. But when he threw the interception and then the Patriots defense came out and made a stop, I was completely relieved. I was like, "That's Tom Brady's one mistake for the game. It's not happening again. We don't need to worry about it again." Like a lot of people mention, when he does throw interceptions, Tom Brady doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and when he does make them, you have to capitalize. And when the Rams didn't capitalize on it. I knew we were going to be, you know, good from here on out. That was n- he was not going to have any more hiccups throughout the game. Yeah, I mean that was that was the probably the biggest, you know, momentum swing you can have in that game and it's that early on you have to capitalize on it, but if Brady makes a mistake, I mean sure as hell he's not making it again. Almost never will he make that same mistake twice and he didn't. He came out played a much more controlled game and uh like we said, not, didn't have like the greatest performance of his life, but made the throws when he needed to. My favorite throw of the game, obviously being to Gronk, the one where we got down to like the two yard line, setting up the Sony Michelle uh, touchdown, obviously. But and Gronk had what three defenders on? Well, two was double in between him. two guys, and just literally Gronk didn't have to move from where he was running. The ball is right in his hands. I don't want to hear any of this. Brady doesn't throw into tight windows, garbage forever. Yeah, and and Gronk, uh, we won't get into anything this week because we'll have. Months and months of speculation. Uh, we will transition into our next story before we talk about the parade, uh, which I know you can get a lot into. So I'll kind of take this last thing. Our friend, I, I don't want to say our friend, our fearless leader, yes, Dave Portnoy, was dragged out of the Super Bowl because of Roger Goodell being an absolute clown. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, know Dave Portnoy, the, the president of Barstool Sports, obviously one of the biggest supporters of Boston sports in general, being a very heavily biased Boston network, uh, I'd say. So amazing to see the content. But Portnoy, uh, banned from the Super Bowl by Roger Goodell, fearlessly led the charge into the Super Bowl. Uh, it dragged out, much to his luck probably, during the Maroon 5 halftime show, which we <laughs> won't get into. Uh, we didn't see Sweet Victory, which was pretty pretty upsetting. And also oh, another... Another stat, mode, another stat that I'm going to plug here is um, I'm not sure this is 100% right because it came from a meme page, but it said that Big Boy drove farther down the field in that car than 58% of the Rams drives, and actually that sounds pretty accurate to that me. That sounds so pretty, pretty true. I'll buy it. Uh, probably but our leader, El Presidente, uh, you know, take, taking the hit for Boston uh, and pretty much has, has blown up because of that. We've seen Portnoy's face everywhere. We've seen the 
uh, Goodell clown face all over the place. Sean Payton, the coach of the Saints, representing, uh, and, and just such a historic and funny moment to see. Kind of you know the atmosphere of barstool sports, the uh, the stool, the army, kind of rallying around Portnoy being detained during the Super Bowl and just creating one of the funniest headlines I think that came out of what everyone is saying this is the most boring Super Bowl ever, which you can once again shut up about. But just um, I thought I'd throw it in here. You know, it's Boston sports. we got to mention the, the man, Dave Portnoy. You know, and, that, and that's funny you should mention that because I think arguably better than the Super Bowl is all the, like you say, the memes or just the extra content we got after with the Patriots winning. I mean, the day after the Super Bowl, we, we get a glorious Instagram video of Julian Edelman and Tom Brady at Disney World, uh, dressed up as Jedi, fighting with lightsabers. Like, that is the stuff that just is, is the icing on the cake, really, uh, to end a phenomenal year. We get, and, you know, now we can kind of get into parade, parade stuff. I was, I was fortunate enough to go. Yeah. Real and quick, I, don't... I was going to say, I'm a sore enough loser that basically uh, my plan, if the, the Patriots lost, was basically to delete all of my social medias just because I hate the weeks and weeks of scrolling through Watching, you know, the other team make that one big play. The, you know, seeing such and such Super Bowl champions. You know, when, when the Patriots had their their shot at that, uh, plastered all over everything I see during every waking moment of the day. It seems. Uh, so it was a real good feeling to you know be able to you know, scroll through whatever feed and just see Patriots. You know, Super Bowl champions. Brady gets his sixth. All the highlights, uh, a really cool feeling, but I'll, I'll turn it over to you because I've hogged way too much of this and you can talk all about the parade that I couldn't go to and was very mad about, but you did, so I'll let you talk all about that. Parade day is a great day, everyone, for those of you who have, haven't gotten to experience it. Uh, it starts, you know, surprisingly early. And, and for those of you who don't remember if I mentioned this during the Boston Red Sox parade, which I was also present at, is I, I go to school down in Boston, so, you know, Getting down here and watching the parade is really not that big a deal for me. I'm very fortunate to be, uh, you know, pretty close. And, you know, if you're ever in a Boston sports parade and you're around Copley Square, you know, look for me. You would, you don't know what I look like, but, you know, just just start yelling my name. Maybe I'll respond. Uh, that's typically where I am. But, you know, you know, I, I knew it was going to be a good day when I got off the train. I'm working my way through the crowd. And I just see, you know, two Boston Police Department officers uh, arresting a man and confiscating a what I would what I would describe as an excessive amount of alcohol out of his backpack, <laughs> and I right there I was like it is it is ten thirty in the morning and it's going to be a great day. It is parade day in Boston, and actually it was it was funny. Now I don't, I don't know if it's true, but we didn't we didn't uh, clarify her story. But there there was an older woman that was near us for a little bit before the parade. And uh, apparently she was telling us she was a, a cheerleader from 1978, which I, which was, uh, you know, really cool. Uh, and so, you know, just, just cool to see all the people and everyone just in a, in a very uh, just celebratory mood, obviously. And I mean, to see the players and everyone 10 feet away and just the atmosphere of being a part of the parade with everyone yelling and, you know, now there is a lot of, uh, you know, drinking and, and going on. And so, but, but getting to see these guys up so close and just to see them so happy. And I, I wanted to mention something here briefly. I don't know, you, you didn't know this was coming because it's not in the prep, but um, I've talked about this with a couple of people. Um, getting to see, you know, maybe, maybe not the most exciting, but definitely, again, like, like a heartwarming thing is getting to see all the, all the behind the scenes staff enjoying themselves and getting to be a part of the the parade, you know, the, the social media, the, the front office, the, the sales portion, all those people who, you know, you, you literally don't know their names and you, you don't know they exist unless you know someone that works there. But it's great that they get to, you know, reap the benefits and enjoy themselves because, you know, they are arguably working just as hard during the season as these players and everything. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just going to, I just got to, you know, end the day with saying it, it could have ended more perfectly. You know, I enjoy myself at the parade. We walk around for a little bit, get some food, and, you know, taking, taking the train back to my apartment. And, you know, a, a fight breaks out on the train. So just, a, like I said, the icing on the cake to a perfect day. 
And uh, yeah, I know obviously I I was not there. I have not been fortunate enough um, to be a part of like the whole parade celebration uh, championship atmosphere. But I think back to to the Celtics game I've been to where they won on a last second shot and how excited we were and like all the people around us that were just as hype and we could talk to and have conversations with over the love of, of a sports team, of a city. And it doesn't matter, you know, backgrounds, not, like all that's out the window. And I know this is going to get oddly philosophical and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, just tied together in like, you know, bonding with these people solely over because of a sports team. It's absolutely insane to see a city rally around that identity of, you know, their sports teams, the pride in their their dynasty, honestly. Um, so, I mean, imagine it must have been a really, really cool atmosphere to just be a part of. And hopefully something I'll eventually, uh, eventually one day be a part of myself we just got to keep winning so hopefully that, you know, keeps... that, was, that was a really great message i think to end there is this is this where we say that all human beings should come together because we're, we're not so different after all is that what this is turning into no nah, because if someone from new york even walks towards me i will, I will <laughs> fight you but if you said the I mean, yankees are like 26 championship i will fight you right <laughs> and you'll probably win but i will fight you for those of you that don't know james he i am he is not a he's not a large man like you said, he would probably lose. I would lose in that. any sort of fight, but it, it uh, no, that um, was not the route I was trying to go. But I just, the, the identity of just Boston, such an amazing, it's definitely one of those things where it's really great to be on the inside, but I can see how awful it must be on the outside looking in and how much everyone must hate Boston. But they hate us because they ain't us. That's that is what we're gonna end with, I think. It's really, that is true. And I think, uh, you know, to cap it off, there's, there's nothing really. really- do you have any, uh, you know, hot takes going into either the off season or, or just about, you know, any Boston sports or sports in general, or just anything just that you need to get off your chest? No, that I think that's uh, that. I mean, it came down to it. We talked about the Patriots forever. Uh, obviously, just an incredible, incredible uh, week, and just a really cool feeling to every day. Just think about, you know, what the Patriots—they got it done. Uh, and this was really, I th- I'd say, the first year where they were bet against a lot. And we saw the peak of the sky is falling, the dynasty's over, we're off the cliff, blah, 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 blah. And don't bet against this team ever, I think, is what really it came down to this season. They're, they It must just be so satisfying to prove everyone wrong. Uh, that being said... Um, that's gonna that's gonna pretty much wrap up the episode here. Um, you know, we're at the end of the football season here, and I think next week we'll probably we'll get like one more week of good stuff where we can talk about, um, you know, stats for the year, everyone's contribution to the team, that sort of thing. But you know, some good news and some bad news here. The bad news is, you know, you know, football's over for the next you know quite a while, uh, at least a, a couple of months probably before we get anything major. Um, good news if you don't like football you don't have to listen to us ramble that much anymore you can you know you won't get to hear james that as much which, yeah my you know, contributions are, will be toned down by probably at least 50 percent <laughs> um and you know some more good news just gives us more time and you know uh time to prepare and time in the podcast to you know talk about the three other great sports teams of this city um like I said, that pretty much wraps up the episode. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Um, we've been doing pretty well here, and you know it's reassuring to to see that uh, you know people are enjoying and are listening to the podcast. Um, that being said, leave a rating, leave a comment, leave us any sort of feedback at all that we can either you know incorporate into what we do or you know incorporate into the podcast, and maybe something you guys can uh, you know contribute a segment, something like that, or just. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at Brady Bros Boston uh, to you know not only hear about you know big news going on in the Boston sports um, realm, but also most importantly, probably to be notified immediately you know when the podcast is going up. If there's any delays, although I forgot to tweet out the delay that we're recording tonight, um, and right you know most importantly right when the podcast is coming up and you know the links to where you can listen and everything so that's probably the uh the best way to also contact us if you have any questions that sort of thing like i said at pretty bros boston on twitter
Yeah, and, and just to kind of double down on what you said, obviously just, you know, leaving a rating and uh, subscribing on whatever platform you listen to our podcast on. That way you're making sure uh, you see our podcast every single week along with following us on Twitter. Uh, like you said, has been especially helpful uh, in these past couple of days where due to, you know, illness, crazy stuff going on uh, and just life in general going on. Um, you know, any delays in recording, we're going to try to get back into that, you know, Record on Thursday, upload Friday schedule, and hopefully we will be back to that uh, next week. Unless any unforeseen, uh, you know, stuff comes up. Obviously, we got stuff going on, so some weeks we're gonna have to adjust things around. But the best way to keep up with all that is obviously on the Twitter account. That is gonna do it for uh, for this week. Uh, once again, a great week for Boston sports with the Patriots taking on the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, we're gonna have to party party hard. Appreciate that because you know. I hate to say it, but probably not a, a ton more years where we're going to have that that Patriots dynasty, uh, you know, the Brady Belichick dynasty, all that stuff. But enjoy it while it lasts, and uh, you know, go Boston sports. We will see you guys all next week. See ya. <laughs>